Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, well, way out west where the earth gets flat. There's a team with clout, but on the field they're bad. And a really snippy jerk, all dressed up in red. And despite his prior record, he's in over his head this week. Little Scott Frost on Off Topple Empire. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Topple Empire, uh, the official Big Ten podcast of the remnants of SB Nation. Um, we, we still haven't been shipped off yet. We still haven't been shut down. We are still raging against the dying of the light. Even though uh, Coral is here to try and make sure we can't have game threads, we have still managed to have a pretty productive one. So, score one for our community. Score one for everybody that's listening to this. Uh, we still, we're still preserving the uh, roughly 10 years ago uh, blogosphere uh, in, in, in just like a tiny little record that'll live on into the future. And like 10 years ago, we are still dunking on Nebraska. Yeah, we're less of a threat to actually propagate and stabilize a biological environment that way, though, than we are like the mosquito in amber, where it's like, actually, that wouldn't work, that wouldn't do anything or be anything, but it's like, no, but it it looks so cool, though, so. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Steve Braun, also known as Thumpasaurus. I'm with Andrew Koshesky, my my intrepid co-pilot. Who I say that, he writes up all the outlines. He probably does more work than me, to be perfectly honest. But we finally have games to talk about. We have games to talk about. We have predictions to revisit. <laughs> and uh, We do, we do. And I'm, I'm going to get right into it. And I'm, gonna, I'm addressing the Cornhusker Illuminati in the room because it didn't have to be like this. It, you know, I, my offer was eminently reasonable and with the benefit of hindsight now i think you would all agree my terms were reasonable you had my account number all you had to do was wire the funds and i would not have picked your team to win the big 10 west but you you had to be the you you had to be like your coach you had to be hard asses about it so you got my off-season prediction to win the division and and where did that get you where are you now Proud you, you happy? You proud of yourselves? You know, I have to say this: uh, Nebraska's meltdown in this Week Zero season opener. It's hard to say which one is more iconic. Obviously, we're you know, everybody wants to point to this one as as the end, but I don't really see what the difference is between this one and last year. Other than that, like somehow he survived to do it again. He re- he retooled yeah. everything. He was basically stripped of play calling powers by by Fiat essentially. Uh, he brought in a whole bunch of players to replace all of these, you know, washed out developmental failures from the guy that had been coaching there for four years, better known as himself, right? <laughs> you kept hearing about this, how you've got all these new players that are really going to turn this culture around as though he's a first-year head coach taking over for somebody that fucked everything up. Yeah, and I'm thinking back and I'm like, yeah, each of the last 
like every offseason that we've been talking about him, it's like, well, you know, he's recruiting way better than the rest of the division, but it's like, yeah, most of those players ended up sucking. Like, yeah, well, and like they're all gone now, so all yeah. of that recruiting has done absolutely nothing for them. And well, all right, so it's not to say that they don't have any talent, because they do. I still think they're dramatically underperforming the actual ability of the players that they have. I mean, they've, they've got a couple more defensive linemen they're going to end up in the NFL. It It's just, it really does feel like coaching. It, you know, for example, they've got this new crop of receivers and a new quarterback, and for probably, you know, the first two and a half quarters, they look like they had an instantly functional passing game that had, that was also considerably low risk. I mean, the play that Casey Thompson made in the third quarter, where he scrambles for a solid 10 or 11 seconds, and then as he's pinned against the sideline, manages to actually reset his feet and throw a good casual ball for like a 50-something yard gain. Like, Adrian Martinez, I guarantee that's an arm punt over the middle that gets intercepted and probably housed. But instead, they have a quarterback who makes it dramatically, but like, it's still a you-gotta-be-kidding-me play that Nebraska always gets, but in a good direction. And then, like, two plays later, he tripped himself and was tackled like, nine yards. What's the difference between Casey Thompson and Adrian Martinez? The difference is that Casey Thompson went and had some coaching out of high school that wasn't by Scott Frost at Nebraska because, you know, I, I don't think... Adrian Martinez was certainly a very, very sought-after uh, recruit, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of goes back to... It's not so much that I thought the specific thing he was talking about with the puking, the practices, you know, <laughs> that that specific thing was going to be what, what turned them. It's just that it reminded me, oh, yeah, for all the talent in the room, this guy is still Scott Frost. And what... Uh, yeah. I saw, I saw a thread, you know, remarking because Scott Frost got combative after the game. Talking about, well, I guess that just shows that we've got to be more creative on, on, on our offensive play calling to compete in the Big Ten. Like, Are you kidding me, dude? Like, that's the message you got from this? Well, no, uh, what, I, what I think he, I think he said that uh, to fire at his offensive coordinator who was calling the plays. Be like, well, yeah, looks, looks like I knew what I was talking about all along. You know, it looks like you can, you can take whichever way you want to finishing four and eight or three and nine. Um, but, but one of our. Um, not one, of them, one of the one of these guys that I, I follow on on the Twitter, one of the uh, Go Iowa Awesome folks, kind of pointed out how that was just emblematic of his whole the, the the whole conceit behind his failure at Nebraska, which is just that he believes that his it, it's kind of a Charlie Weiss thing, right? Decided schematic advantage. All he's got to do is get the players that are talented enough to run the system, and it it runs itself. It'll be perfect. Well, first off. Even if that were true, good luck doing that if you're not already Ohio State. You're not, and even if you are Ohio State, you're not going to get, you're not going to have a PJ Fleck Western Michigan situation. You're not going to have the situation he had at UCF where he was able to, to get. I mean, there's a lot of those players that are in the NFL now from his UCF days. Yeah, well, there, there are there are also linebackers and safeties who are capable of catching a running quarterback now. That's why you can't just run people over with the flex with the the option game that they ran in the 90s, but yeah, what the puke thing to me symbolized was, oh, this is a coach who played at the very tail end of the Os- was involved in the very tail end of the Osborne era, who thinks that the stuff from the beginning of the Osborne era is still going to work, who thinks that Nebraska is still the only team that lifts weights. And so if you just try harder than everyone else, that you're guaranteed, like, no, man, like, this sport is not, is not just who has the, who figures out that you need a weight room first now. It's gone so far beyond that. Every time you hear 
you know, multi-million dollar facility being built. It's they're not just buying weights made of platinum. Like the, the training and science involved now is so far beyond that. You don't have to make players run until they puke to get their best performance out of them. In fact, that's doing it wrong. We know that's doing it wrong. And he was still so proud of himself. And even though he tried to walk it back, no, that absolutely happened. And he was so happy about it. Of course this is the result of the first game. Of course. Because I had already painted myself into a corner talking him up all offseason. So I was like, hey, you know what? It's going to be funny. I'm sticking with it. I'm not, I'm not backing out now. I'm riding this train all the way to hell. And sure enough, after week zero, three teams in the conference have played a game. And here we are in Nebraska. If, it, if he doesn't beat Oklahoma, they're going to fire him. Because the week after that, his buyout drops as soon as you get to October. They structured his contract so they could fire him midway to the season for less money. Yeah. yeah that, and it's a problem because I really wanted Illinois to run it up to three straight against Nebraska. We play him after that. Who knows if they're going to have a coach that can leverage the superior talent into beating a team like Illinois. I mean, probably. Yeah, because they'll give it to Janander, who runs the more competent side of the ball for the most part of all. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. Although, although... Uh, not yesterday we're recording on a Sunday. Not yesterday he didn't. We're I'm gonna crack open a, a win fight try Brewster of the week by South Haven's Odd Side Ales. Cat Noir, New England style IPA. Oh, <laughs> Cat Noir, huh? Cat in the second level of your defense. I ain't, I ain't talking my language. I know this game. Yeah, yeah. So so sure enough, uh, they they were pretty sure that they had all the solutions to a, to a cat in the wall. And uh, as it turns out, you know, all those solutions ended up, I mean, making Ryan Holinsky look, uh, look, like, look like Phil Simms in that Super Bowl. That's think, an old-ass reference. Did they get him. a third cat? <laughs> I think we might need four. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, happened was, what happened was that Evan Hull, you know, managed to, to, to flatten himself and slip into the wall. And just popped through a seam in the wall. Because, he didn't, you know, cats have nothing, wild cats have nothing to do with the laws of physics. So... So, yeah, I mean, imagine, if you will, you have back-to-back seasons where this is going to be the time that Nebraska breaks out. They're going to be a division contender. And in one, you end up pissing off Art Sitkowski, who goes 10 for 12 for two touchdowns. And the other, Ryan Holinsky, goes, what did he go, like 89 for 90 or something? I mean, he did not have a lot of completions. Incompletions is my point. And, And in the first part of this game I was watching... He wasn't really throwing these balls anywhere near his receipt. Like, he was he was throwing straight-up hospital passes that they weren't check, cashing in on. Yeah, His I, first throw <laughs> over to Malik Washington was a hostile act. It was like, you said something, you talked some shit at me, I'm going to lead you really far this way right. so that when you catch this, you're going to get blown up. The safety's already going to be in your ribs when you catch the ball, yeah. But, no, I mean, Holinsky ended up 27 for 38, and that, was, that represented cooling down towards the end of the game. Um, two touchdowns, no picks. Look like a functional quarterback now. We'll remember Hunter Johnson looked like a functional quarterback last year in their first game. I don't think they're going to get away with throwing so many passes high and behind their targets against. I mean, again, I have to say better defense because I, I was really surprised by how well Nebraska or how well Northwestern moved the ball on Nebraska yesterday. It was not something that I expected to see. <clears throat> was over 500 yards of 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 offense allowed to Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald? This isn't Randy Walker. As I as I covered for the Champagne Room, Pat Fitzgerald intentionally dismantled this very very fun to watch basketball on grass that Randy Walker had at Northwestern. 
in order to, to, to install something that was substantially less fun, way stupider, and just kind of generally brought everybody's energy level down a little bit so that he could win games while the opponent went to sleep. Well, it's also not even, like, Clayton Thorson or Kane Coulter at Northwestern. Like, this is still the team in search of a quarterback. Like, again, there's nothing about this performance that should make you believe they've solved their biggest issue, which is the quarterback. But I will say the offensive line, after taking a while to find their footy, you can tell Nebraska definitely is fired up coming out of the gate. But, man, from the time of that onside kick in the third quarter, the momentum so completely reversed itself. It, to me, that just was another thing where Scott Frost didn't understand what he got himself into in the Big Ten because he's hired a special teams coach after losing a lot of games due to simply special teams. And then he thought, wow, I'm kicking field goals good. Yeah. I'm doing the thing. Look at that. I got special teams. In fact, now I'm better at special teams than all these people. I hired a coach. I did the right thing. Did they hire a special teams coach? No, they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I figured it out. I did. You know what? I was behind, but then I went and I did the homework. And yeah, yeah. So now, now let's get really cool with special teams. What a surprise onside kick <laughs> yeah, up 11 did, in the right, third we quarter. We just went up 11 in the third quarter. Northwestern's flat on their backs. Let's defibrillate them. They, they play Iowa all the time. You think they're <laughs> not going to see somebody fucking with them on fake punts and, and onside kicks? Not that Iowa does that, but like... Iowa will absolutely fake punt against you if if they don't think that you're ready for it. Yeah. And the the change that so Nebraska did not score another point after that onside kick. Northwestern, I think they were so they were down eleven. They went so they it was fourteen nothing from that point. But it was really the way like the life so went out of Nebraska they couldn't get Northwestern's run game off the field. Which again. I think it's going to be better this year than last, having Cam Porter back so that Evan Hull doesn't have to do it all himself. And they can push Claire and Tyus into these supporting roles only. That's Evan Hull could absolutely him. do it all himself with the holes that he had. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, did, if Holinsky had been there, he probably could have ran past him to get out in front of him. Well, I've been shouting all offseason that Peter Skaronsky really is an NFL player. Like, he had a down season last year, but as a true freshman, he was one of the best offensive linemen in the conference, so that shouldn't be surprising, but uh, he and Josh Preeb had a lot of great combo blocks on the left side, open incredible lanes, so I don't know if you're going to see that regularly going forward, and man, Holinsky still concerns me, but it's hard not to like what you saw, and I mean, on the Nebraska side, again, like, but it's, it's easy to simplify and say it's all about the onside kick. What I saw that also kind of surprised and disappointed me was I was pretty sure these receivers were going to be positive difference makers right from the beginning. I lost track of how many drop passes, man. It had to be at least five or six. And a few of them were on contested coverage, but it's like, you know, you got to figure out as the game goes by, like, oh, they're not calling shit. They're letting Northwestern's corners be handsy as hell. I got to fight back to the ball. And they didn't do it. They just waited for the ball to come to them in their routes. And so... Northwestern got a, a number of PBUs. Let me put on you the kind of Skip Bayless-ass take that I myself really hate, but applies in this situation. You had all these highly rated athletes coming in for Nebraska, and they had a quarterback throwing them the ball with accuracy, and what was the difference? 
Northwestern had a guy throwing it somewhere in their general direction, but they wanted it more. They had that dog in them. Steve, 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 Steve. No, I want, I want to make. I, 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 I'm telling you, they wanted it more. Well, I mean, no, that's not actually a thing, but it, it, it was fairly amazing to see that. Yeah, they were, they were catching substantially worse balls at a higher rate than Nebraska was. Yeah, and the other thing does have to be said. So you know, of course. Brandon Joseph leaving felt like it was going to be a disabling gut punch for Northwestern, uh, you know, for defense that had already struggled. But it's got to be said, it, Cam Mitchell looks like a, a star in making a corner. They put in Coco Azuma full-time at safety, and he was involved in a lot of plays in this game, like nine or ten tackles, I think, after being basically just a kick returner his first couple seasons. So they found a couple guys you can play, or at least, again, in a one-game sample size, but... Yeah, there's some plays where Palmer and Garcia Castaneda certainly look the part. I think they're still going to put up numbers and give Nebraska a chance to win. But, yeah, I, as, as long as the head coach is taking every opportunity to snipe at his own offensive coordinator, who, by the way, just had a pretty significant resume-building season, by the way, at Pitt, Mark Whipple. So, if that's the tone and the, the, the manner you're going to have all season, I, this isn't going to last long. Yeah, well... Um... You know, the, the, the last note I have here is, of course, uh, guess who did exactly what I said they were going to do? It was Donnie Navarro. Now, look, I'm not going to get too upset about him because, one, a lot of season left for me to, 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 to empty the clip of Big Lebowski memes on him. And, two, hey, you know what? It was a decent trade. Uh, you know, Donnie Navarro did something for Northwestern, and Tira Edwards got a fumble recovery for the Illini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Navarro with the game-winning touchdown grab, by the way, is what he's referring to there, so... I don't know if that was the game winner. It was. It was. Or was it the second, the last one? I, well, it was. It was one of. I mean, he kept him in the game. I think it was in the second half. But he also did not muff any punts. Right. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, speaking of Illinois, look at you pushing around a crappy opponent instead of hanging on for dear life until the last second. Well, here's what I noted: is it kind of felt like Illinois was a Big Ten team because in the fourth quarter we were just emptying our bench and looking at the, these freshmen and it's like, you know, I, I was somewhere for kickoff of here with, with, with a Michigan fan who I kept trying to, to tell him how much I was trying to avoid this game till I got home and could actually watch the whole thing. You know, because as a Michigan fan, he gets these tune-up games all the time. You know, whereas I have to live through, oh, wow, we blocked a punt to survive 2-10 ball state and shit. And it's like, you know, it's not the same thing. But in this case, it kind of looked like it. We had a legit tune-up. Now, I am, of course, going to immediately assume Wyoming is turbo bad. This is the end of the Craig Bowl era. Because it did look a lot like well, 2012 Western Michigan. It's right? possible, man. I mean, Bowl is 64. As we discussed in the preview episode, they lost... Everybody from the skill positions who was any good last year, I guess their running back Swen ended up looking pretty good, but uh, lost everybody who played a meaningful role for them last season. So uh, the question of how are they going to move the ball was, well, they're not. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they didn't. Yeah, late into the fourth quarter, they were stuck on 33 passing yards for quite a while. Um, which, you know, given that they were behind in the game... But also clearly overmatched. I understand bowl opting to try to keep running the ball. And they got decent running yardage. But 
Anytime they were in third and longer than a few yards, you knew how it was going to go. Didn't pick up a third down until well into the fourth quarter as well. And that's, again, positive news also for an Illinois defense that, at least in the back seven, had a number of bodies to replace. So, look, it as you mentioned, it's been a while since, as an Illinois fan, you have your list of boxes for the season, and, like, at the end of the first game, it's just check, 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 check. Nothing went wrong. A couple of possibly concerning injury situations, but Isaiah Williams was back out there for the victory formation during the game. Presumably, he's fine. Josh McRae really looked like a hyperextended knee, which, you know, there's a range of outcomes there, but he walked off under his own power, albeit in a knee brace. So hopefully get good news there. But look, if there's a spot where Illinois can take a hit depth-wise, it would be running back. You hope he's able to get back out there. He's a hell of a compliment style-wise to Chase Brown. We got a lot of guys, some, some, some tick. I mean, again, you just usually don't get these kind of opportunities to, in a game situation... See what the freshmen look like. See what the third because because there's never a game situation in one of these non-conference games where it's like, yeah, you know, the only time that we get these is if we're you know Western Michigan is is uh, has only allowed three rushing yards to us today and there's well hey all of our starters are hurt now. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was really it was quite serene to be frank. Uh, saw Reggie Love. I mean, wow, we saw some freshmen on defense. The the offensive line looked. Pretty good considering that we had, you know, transfers and freshmen playing significant minutes. Yeah, and then your new quarterback, Tommy DeVito, um, you know, he's completing a lot of passes, right? I mean, not for a whole lot in the way of yardage, but that's those are the plays that Lonnie was calling up for him. Interviewed after the game, he's like, yeah, that, that might be the first time I've ever played and not taken a sack because, you know, that Syracuse... Oh, they he just, got destroyed in just, every game. That's just, the whole thing. Guys swinging mallets at him for four years at Syracuse. So, uh, I don't know long-term whether he represents a substantial upgrade over the Peters and Sikowski act you've seen in the last couple of years. Um, but well, you know, the thing is... Very accurate, though. I mean, I think, yeah, he's, he's currently struggling with some timing, but as far as just... I'm going back to some cliches. As far as just the mentality is concerned here, right? I didn't see him get into his throwing motion and then stop because, oh shit, what if I can't fire it in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, an interesting tidbit that I heard was that apparently he was voted as a captain by more defensive players than offensive players because because if you, if you do an x-ray of his chest, you will in fact see the dog in there. This is yeah. in fact... Got that boon in him. This is, in Got fact, what we're just going with. So, yeah, Tommy DeVito, absolute gamer. Remains to be seen whether or not he can be an effective passer, but <laughs> did what he had to do. Um, Isaiah Williams didn't have an impressive stat sheet, but, boy, did he make a lot of people miss. He's very fun to watch. And yeah. Chase Brown got 150 yards, so he's got 850 to go over the last 11 games to be, I believe, only the third Illini ever to get back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Because usually by the time we identify a guy, he, he can go to the NFL. We, we don't usually identify guys early enough as, we should give this guy 300 carries. Yeah. Um, in their receiving group, yeah, Isaiah Williams is definitely going to be the number one by a pretty wide margin. You did see Washington and Hightower get involved. Pat Bryant, redshirt freshman, caught a touchdown. So 
Maybe there are a few more bodies there that you can rotate in, but it's probably still never going to be more than a 35 to 40% passing offense. I mean, like, by it's, ball, it's by hard to know. Also, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know what to make of Wyoming. I mean, it's not an FCS team. It's hard to know how, how what we saw out of the receiving group compared to what we would see against Indiana on Friday, right? Because that's obviously the big one. Yeah. Um, that is a, a very important game. With a win against Indiana on Friday, Illinois can clinch a fifth year in a row of not losing every Big Ten game in a single season. <laughs> in a season. We haven't had anything like that happen since 2011 when we had our sixth, our sixth season in a row with a Big Ten victory. Okay. <laughs> I have to say, you're, you're like, in week two, we can, in our second game, we can clinch. I was like, what the hell? Are you talking about with the okay? And Important I was milestones. And I was not disappointed. Uh, in terms of other games around the country, there was not a whole lot to talk about. UConn actually gave Utah State a little bit of a fight. I like. I believe it is because of the friendly ghosts that <laughs> yes. are helping out Jim Mora, who, if you haven't heard, lives in lives on campus in Stores, Connecticut, in a haunted house. And instead of just being like, no, "Well, this is a silly thing to ask me," he said. Well, okay, yes, there are ghosts, but they are good ghosts. <laughs> All right, they yes, help me with game planning. I'm going to address this once and then I don't want to talk about it. Yes, the ghosts are there. No, they're not paying rent and they're kind of shit roommates about doing the chores. But look, it, it's I, if I were to initiate evictions now, it would be a big distraction during the season. It's just a thing. We're going to have to ride this situation out and then we'll deal with it when the calendar rolls over and, and we get on a new lease. That's basically what it's going to have to be. That was his. That was his attitude about the whole thing. So um, that's like the most interesting thing out there. I mean, Vanderbilt absolutely massacred Hawaii, uh, which is unfortunate because uh, boy, the homecoming for Timmy Chang. First time there's fans in that yeah, stadium. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, everybody loves when Hawaii is good. Yeah, and and, uh, and they're not. <laughs> they're very much not. Uh, New Mexico State didn't win. We're going to go, let's jump off from that and we're going to roll right into the preview for week one. Normally we'd split these episodes, but we've corralled our commentary on the review well enough. I think we can just do one And, more and there's also two Big Ten games to review, so. Yeah, yeah. And so, New Mexico State opening the season this Thursday, visiting Minnesota. Why is that of interest? Well, as we mentioned, Jerry Kill is the head coach at New Mexico State. Oh, that's cool. They were he had a decent-ish, you know, tenure at Minnesota. I'm sure there's some fond memories. Not so fast, my friends, because Jerry has done himself a lot of talking, a lot of talking about the current head coach, and even referenced a couple of the current players. That's a little bit out of bounds, and so the general feeling, especially the vibe we get from our Minnesota colleagues, is that you know the the boat rowers are going to push Jerry's shit in. New Mexico State is an awful team on paper. Probably one of the worst FBS teams right there with UConn. And so, this is going to be bad. It's going to, it's going to be an interesting question how far does I mean? They'll be able to name their score, Minnesota will. So, we're, it'll be interesting to see how far they decide they're going to take this. Well, this is a team that really, for all the you know passing that we've seen with their NFL-level receivers over a few years... They want to run the ball and push people around, and they've got big boys up front to do just that. And they've got some, you know... Still a deep, stable running a deep back. Stable, yes. even, so, even losing Kai Thomas and Buckeye Irving, they still run three deep comfortably. So. And, you know, I generally, you know, don't, don't really care that much about other programs' uh, beefs 
of a small scale, whatever you got to tell yourself to get motivated. And, you know, and especially it's like, you know, it's always funny when, when a, a QT program that thinks their particular motivational speaker is special, you know, kind of falls flat. But in this case, seeing how, just, just how far Jerry Kill has, I mean, he just refuses to shut up and he just, every time he should shut up, he just goes into more detail. I, like, I would actually really like to see him get buried. It would it would be fantastic, especially after after he he vehemently defended Tracy Clay's enabling just a horrifying horrifying culture that that perpetrated some perpetrated and covered up some very serious crimes. Yeah. And... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On one level, you understand because of the relationship he had with Clay's but on the other, it just the level. Look, you got to have your boys, exact, but the, also, yeah. man, y- you have to understand that yeah, yeah. there are some. Y- y- you you can just all you have to say is, look, I, I I was not there for this particular part. I know that this is my friend. I support him a hundred percent. You don't have to say like that shit never happened. They shouldn't have fired my guy. You know, like. <laughs> That's just gonna make people root against you. It's it's going to be, and <laughs> there's not a chance that they're gonna mention this during the broadcast. By the way, um, Jerry Kill still has enough supporters in enough athletic departments and enough broadcasting studios that it's not going to come up during the game. So listen. So get to this. creative. Get creative, Minnesota fans. I know you got sharpies. I know you got signs. I know you got. A lot of ways to make things happen. I don't I, know what stadium security is like, but... And, oh, I know you got an athletic department that is not going to be especially resistant to that on this particular evening, I would suspect. Yeah. Just, just as get, get Get the signs out there. Let just the country know what's up. That game, however, is actually kicking off about an hour after the first one of the week. Um, the game to be named later in the Aikman-Buck deal between ESPN and Fox, which remains, I like... I haven't heard many other people talk about this. Maybe I'm the only one who finds it interesting, but it's still just like, I, I don't know how you determine that the value of two Hall of Fame broadcasters is a random week one game between your cross-divisional opponents. It's a decent game. Like, this should be good on paper, but it's still, I don't get it. Anyway, Purdue, Penn State, two of the more experienced quarterbacks in the conference non-Tanner Morgan division. Uh, both of them lost their clear number one receiver, David Bell, Jahan Dotson, both gone. Both of them, I mean, in Penn State's case, they recruit like gangbusters. Parker Washington's the obvious next guy up. Purdue, they always find really good receivers. You figure Brock Thompson fills that role. They have probably the best tight end in the conference in Payne Durham, at least in terms of a receiving threat. So, you know, both teams with a good quarterback. You figure they're going to find weapons. 
lots of questions in the run game. Um, and then defensively, Penn State lost a lot more. Purdue lost a bigger single impact guy. So who better replaces their losses on the defensive side of the ball? Penn State's recruited better, but they have more guys to replace. Um, does either team run the ball at all, or is this just going to be you know, 50 passes each for O'Connell and Clifford? I think this game is going to be decided by a question that Penn State has been struggling to answer for years. Can they run the ball? If they can run the ball, I think they've got a chance to put this game away. Yeah, and so one potentially interesting wrinkle to that question is at what point do we see Nick Singleton, one of the, I think, the top running back recruit in this class, if not, they're like a top two or three guy at the position. But still, comparable in recruiting profile to a Saquon Barkley. When does he take his step into the spotlight? Is it right away in week one? Penn State does still have Kevon Lee around. They did not I'm have say Not so much as Saquon Barkley as more of a, not quite Travion Henderson, but much higher profile than Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and so it, it, we'll see, though. It, it, it's not like Kevon Lee is a slouch. They still have Devin Ford around. We'll see how they choose to play that. He's too talented not to play at some point. You know you're going to burn his red shirt. He ain't going to be here for four years anyway. I, you're going to see him in some capacity. I just wonder how they're going to approach that. That's a, an interesting thing to watch. And then, again, defensively, both teams have a number of questions to answer. But for Penn State, the whole thing that determines whether they challenge Ohio State or not is, is your offensive line considerably better. This is going to be a decent, if not Ohio State caliber, sort of test to figure that out. And the reason that Purdue was able to have the breakout season last year was because they finally had a pretty competent defense at containing the run. Yeah. So that that's, you know, that, that would have, I mean... It's hard to imagine that they would have been able to beat Iowa had they had the level of defense that they had prior to last year. Uh, same with Michigan State. That's kind of been the, the, the difference. The offense has always been there. But in this case, I mean, that's that's really the thing to watch. I'm not entirely sure why Penn State hasn't been able to figure it out on the ground yet. Well, I, I really do think it comes down to the offensive lines. It's not like they haven't had talented running backs. And the other big problem they've had the last couple of years is they can't keep Sean Clifford healthy because their offensive line sucks. So if they figure out the offensive line, you could be looking. I mean, Penn State should be a top 10 type of team. But that's a big if. That's five guys out of 22 starters that they haven't been able to get a cohesive unit out of so far. So anyway. A couple of very interesting games for very different reasons on Thursday night. Kind of depends on how you're feeling. If you're in a wholesome, genuine, you know, I just want to watch the game of football and see a couple teams with a lot of promise and a lot of interesting questions, Purdue versus Penn State is obviously your choice. If you're a fan of this vlog and of this podcast, you're going to be watching Minnesota New Mexico State. <laughs> so, Friday night, a doubleheader as well. And I got to say for this opening binge to the season, Labor Day holiday weekend, I kind of love spreading the games out over multiple days like this. I almost kind of wish the Big Ten would push one game to Sunday, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday works just fine. Um, Michigan State hosting Western Michigan. This should be a walkthrough. Western Michigan's got a new quarterback. They lost their you know, number one NFL caliber receiver from last year. If 
MSU's past defense is having any heartburn with this Western Michigan that's going to raise a lot of red flags. That's obviously what you're looking for is coverage that stays with Western receivers. I mean, Kroom, you know, Crooms is still a pretty good option. He'll probably be an NFL caliber type of guy as well. Not the same kind of threat that Sky Moore was, but it's a good enough offense to pose you a decent threat. It's not an FCS or a walkover or anything, but there should still be a considerable advantage. And then I don't really know how they shake out the running game, but that's the, the main question on the other side of the ball is how do you distribute Kenneth Walker's carries and how effective is it? It's probably going to be a little bit more of a committee. How effective is, does it look out of the gate? And, of course, if you're a Nern fan, then you've got your eyes on Temple at Duke split between the other one because, of course, I don't know. I want to ask hypothetically what you do if you're a Northwestern fan, but I know, like, all six of them. I could just ask them individually. Yeah, take a quick little straw poll in the group text that I assume you have with them. That's the sort of thing I think you would do. The other game, Friday night, I am not going to be watching because my team is playing, but Illinois at Indiana, fascinating well, you gotta, game. Look, Michigan State, if they can't wrap up a game with Western, uh, you know, with Western Michigan – who is playing a lot of underclass on the offense in an hour, then maybe you got bigger issues. Well, <laughs> I forget who's covering this game. I think it might be on Fox. And if that's the case, we ain't going to get six plays off in an no, hour. No, I'm seeing ESPN. Okay, so they'll move it along a little bit more. It's still a national broadcast, which still means that's going to be going close to midnight. I'm really thinking about how to get to this Illinois at Indiana game because it. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty good one. I don't know what to expect. The wild card for me is, of course, the Indiana offense. I have no idea what it's going to look like, nor do I think really. I don't think I don't anybody think does. Anybody, I, don't think anybody I don't think Indiana does. fans really. I think Indiana fans have a decent idea of what to expect, but like, I don't think anybody can tell you exactly what's going to happen. So, I mean, in terms of how to get there from where we are, it's going to be 94 west to 69, and then you take the beltway around Indianapolis to Indiana 37. That place is a speed trap, though. Do not go more than three or four miles over the speed limit or you will be, My question be apprehended is, by being When I take I-69 through Fort Wayne, do I have to get off and go drive myself down Harry W. Balls Drive? Fort Wayne's not a lane trap. Yeah, I, I think it's required that you take They didn't give him the government center. They at least have a street named after him, although it does say H.W. Bowles. But he was a great mayor, and he deserved that government center name. <laughs> yeah, shows you about how much we know about Indiana's offense this year, right? Reportedly, Tom Allen has made a decision on who's going to be starting at quarterback between Jack Tuttle and coming back up and Connor Basilek, transfer from Missouri. If it's are... Jack Tuttle, then uh, I, I'm going to feel really good about this one, I'll say that. It's 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 yeah. going to be Basilek. I mean, I, it's... Yeah. I see no reason that it wouldn't be. I mean, I was thinking, hey, you got those those guys, and then you got McCulley, and then I read that McCulley's a receiver now. Apparently so. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, there were it, looked, some, it looked vaguely Isaiah Williams-ish. Yeah, there were some moments last year where it's like, oh, he's definitely an athlete. But it was like, this guy could definitely be a super good quarterback in the Sun Belt. Yes. In a system that was designed to make him not throw as much yeah. and kind of only, you know... Only throw in specific situations. Options and like a lot of easy slants and stuff. RPR, yeah, like you could design an offense around a guy like that. It's not what Indiana's running though. Yeah. And so you basically have a choice to take one of the, you know, eight to ten best athletes on your team, 
put him in an incubator as a quarterback for at least another couple of years and hope he's ready as like a fourth year player to start or play him now and actually get use out of him for his whole eligibility. It's a pretty easy call. You expect every, again, like they went out, both of these guys are transfers, by the way, Tuttle and Basilak. So yet another example of like, you don't have to necessarily be overly concerned with, we have to take a quarterback in each class. Yeah, my question is this. Will any quarterback that Illinois or Indiana initially recruited there enter the game? Um, I don't see any reason that Samari Collier or, or uh, Donovan Leary would come into the game for Illinois. Yeah, those are like, that's like your third, fourth string, man. You Who even <laughs> is on the roster for Indiana that fits that bill? Grant Gremmel, the back of the walk-on who played a little bit last year. Grant Gremmel! That would also be... At best, a third-string situation. Okay, okay, okay. So for the sake of the game, we don't want those things to happen. No, not at all. And if you say, is a quarterback a team recruited going... I mean, I guess it depends on whether you count a walk-on slash preferred walk-on as recruited. Like, they didn't give him a scholarship, so... Did they really recruit him that much? But anyway. um, It's obviously not the only issue in this game. Indiana's got a lot of new guys at their offensive skill positions. Really, DJ Matthews is the only guy who played a significant role last year, comes back, and he got hurt, missed a big part of the year. So he's like new, especially if Basilak is the starter. Um, Shivers and Henderson at the running back, um, Cam Camper, and another receiver whose name... Nope, it's gone. I don't know it. Um, For Illinois on the defensive <clears throat> line, I, was, I completely forgot that Jamal Wood still had eligibility. Yeah, and also Calvin Avery got through an entire game without getting a fifteen-yard hands to the face penalty. So I think we are making progress here. Uh, it will be a little bit stiffer of a challenge for the Illinois run game. Indiana's defense, I don't think, is going to be quite as good as last year, but they will benefit from the fact that it's the beginning of the season, so most of their guys should be healthy. Um, even losing guys like Micah McFadden, uh, there's still that's still by far the side of the ball where they're more dependable. Unfortunately, the problem is in this game, the fact that their secondary is the strength of their team is not going to help them much because if they see more than 20 pass attempts, that would be a bit of a surprise. Now, I do love this about Illinois. Uh, this was more true prior to McCray's injury, but you know the biggest threats on the team were 0, 1, 2, and 3. Right? Right. So now it's just 1, 2, 3 in uh, Williams... Brown and uh, DeVito. Yeah. Um, I, I really think Illinois has a good chance to win this game again because the defense has a game under its belt and is playing against an offense that's coming out for the first time. But that could also, of course, give Indiana the advantage. It, it all depends on how well Indiana can execute their offense because they haven't put anything on film for, for, for Illinois. But I really think that... Uh, I guess it is hard to say who has the advantage there. I... I in Big Ten football, experience does tend to win out. Big Ten football. So that's why I'm going for I'm going for Illinois. But uh, I think this will be a really good game. I think it will probably be a low scoring game. Yes. Um, if these two coaches had their way, it would be a very low scoring game. I'm actually uh, I'm letting you go for a minute here without interrupting you. I'm just looking up some lines right now because I don't really know how you would handicap this one, but I'm going to find out. So, well, in any case, TCU is opening at Colorado in a game that I'm not that that's going to be our ten o'clock game on Friday. Why is that interesting? <laughs> because it's the ten o'clock game. 
think it's. If you're going to be up all night watching football, that is your late one. I'm not going to be up all night. So then Saturday, uh, on Saturday, Michigan kicks off against Colorado State. I don't even remember who coaches there now. It's not Steve Adazio anymore. It'd be whoever they replaced him with when they fired him. I don't know. Colorado State is in all kinds of trouble right now. Yeah, it's it's not going to be a none of Michigan's non-conference games are going to be competitive. I mean, you remember Jay Norvell? Okay, bad choice on his part. But anyway, well, yeah, I mean, they could be good, but not this year. Not this year. Um, I'm still rummaging through looking for. How do they have these organized? Just by how these aren't alphabetical, I think. How strange! It is. Uh, it is of course, uh, you know, in most years past, I would pick East Carolina against number thirteen NC State at home is East Carolina as an upset special. But yeah. East, the Pirates haven't been that good in a while. You know, ten years. You know, about twenty years ago to about five years ago, East Carolina was a pretty reliable pick to. To knock off something like this, and like NC State is preseason number thirteen. That's uh, those expectations are pretty out of hand for the Wolfpack. Every time, like the, the, NC State is one of those programs that tends to peak at also receiving votes. I don't really remember them ever being up this high to start a season. To be perfectly frank, yeah, the thought there is that uh, Devin Leary is an NFL caliber, you know, possible first round quarterback. Yes, and, and sh- surely NC State will be a national contender with an NFL quarterback right, like they have every other time they've had an NFL quarterback. Which has been most seasons in the last 15 to 20 years, yeah. Um, I don't know why you're jumping to these games considering we have a whole bunch of other Big Ten games to talk about, but the Colorado I'm in State chronological Michigan, order. The Colorado-Michigan game is not going to be competitive. Colorado State-Michigan uh, game is not going to be competitive. Um, although... Comically enough, Jim Harbaugh clarified that in order to resolve their quarterback competition, <laughs> he's uh, not going to make a decision right now. Rather, he's going to play Cade McNamara against Colorado State, and then J.J. McCarthy against, I forget if it's Hawaii or UConn in Week 2. It's Hawaii. Hawaii in Week 2. And then make a decision going into the UConn game. Um, to which my thought is, hey, you know why? Because um, you're not going to learn anything from watching J.J. McCarthy spill Hawaii's guts all over the field that you didn't already know. Like, you know he's physically very talented, can run a little better than McNamara, has a bigger arm. Both of these guys are going to be playing against air, essentially, in these first two games. I don't see what data this gets you that you shouldn't already have. Like, playing your own defense should have told you a lot more than these games will. Well, I mean, apparently there are just... Demands whether they be real or fictional, um, that McCarthy must have. Uh, you know, if, I don't understand if he's, if, he's been, if I'm a prospect with McCarthy's talent, I'm like, you sure as shit better play me. I'm fucking out of here. Like, but that being said, I don't know why playing a kid for one game and be like, uh, yeah, it's Kate because he wants a Big Ten championship and beat Ohio State. Of course, he's still the starter. Um, you're going to lose McCarthy. Well, it's not the end of the world. You're gonna, even though you already missed on Dante Moore and C.J. Carr, there's other well, five-star yeah, quarterbacks you can find out there. You're going to be fine. You don't know that J.J. McCarthy wouldn't have won the Big Ten Championship, now do you? Yeah, I do. Because the only time he played a significant role in a high-pressure game, he cost them the game against Michigan Well, State. look, Tom Brandstatter doesn't believe those allegations that you're bringing against J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, well, and I don't know if Jim Harbaugh does either. Yeah, that's not the J.J. McCarthy they know, right? Absolutely not. 
So anyway, <laughs> you don't happen to also be a little bit heated about this because you happen to uh, spend ten bucks in the auction drafting J.J. McCarthy as your QB1 for a keeper league that we just started now, do you? If the best alternative option wasn't Ryan Holinsky, no, I would be willing to let this one go. But instead, I mean, look, I'm going to have to pick at least somebody up anyway because... McNamara and Peyton Thorne have the same buy, so I have zero quarterbacks who can play in a two-quarterback league, but anyway. Well, uh, I've got two Matt guys, and one of them is playing at Kentucky, so <laughs> yo, Gabbert, Gabbert. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in the news slate, Iowa chose to bring in a Dakota. It's not that one, but South Dakota State is the next one down the pecking order, so probably should have done that. I don't think there are any, like, they always manage to escape the upset threat from the likes of the Dakotas and the Northern Iowa's. Not always. <laughs> they, 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 did, they did take on the final boss and lose. Right, which again, you, you should not have done. The sheer arrogance of them to do that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I don't know why anybody schedules a Dakota. Uh, there's no benefit to it. If you beat them, it's an FCS team. You will not get any credit. We mentioned this before. Um, Maryland hosts Buffalo. They've fallen off quite a bit from the Lance Leipold era, and it's Maryland. The, the game, the month will have turned to September when this game is played. So Maryland's going to score about seventy points. Uh, Buffalo has a couple of decent skill guys, but most of their better players followed Leipold when he went to Kansas. Now, of course, the key player to watch here for Buffalo is Booby Curry, uh, the former Arizona receiver. The reason that he's the guy to watch is because uh, you, you hope that Maryland doesn't have the answer to cover him, so that the uh, commentary team can continue to say his name. Disagree, Ron Cook, 40 carries, 500 yards. Let's go! <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> the, the league that Steve was mentioning is Big Ten and Mac only. And, by the way, it's occurring to me just now for the first time, after twisting everyone's arm to play in this damn thing, that this is content we're leaving on the table. We're gonna have to, I'm, I'm going to have to write something up about this now. Hope nobody It is all off-tackle empire writers that are in this, so um, it's of a the, content farm. <laughs> of the ten of us, I think... Everyone except you and me made sure to clarify repeatedly during the draft, I didn't prepare! I did no research! I don't know any of these players. I'm like, alright, well, you know. By the way, we also have USC and UCLA players in here because it is the Big Ten. <laughs> because it's the Keeper League. I don't want to have to change shit in two years. As a so. result, my Week 1 matchup has four guys named Williams in it. <laughs> um, elsewhere in the news slate, Rutgers is a betting underdog against Boston College by about a touchdown. Kind of makes sense since they're on the road against a team that was better than them last year. Yeah, and that team that was better than them last year also has their really good quarterback back healthy, Phil Jerkovich. Um, they return Zay Flowers, really good receiver, and they add Jalen Gill, a former Ohio State running back slash slot receiver who could never find his way onto the field. So, I mean, I guess, you know, you're not really a believer in the Rutgers defense as a as a quality Big Ten unit. Not necessarily not at this point. bad, but... What you're saying is that Rutgers fans are going to turn into a 14 nothing deficit and then turn into Norm McDonald and say, oh, I guess that quarterback's a real Jerkovich. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it'll be funny when you say it. So go ahead, give yourself a couple. Just, like, don't get carried away, okay? Um, and then look who we have all by themselves in the afternoon slot. Conference branding stalwart Nebraska. We want everyone looking at them right now, don't we? Hosting and the Dakota School, of school yes. <laughs> in uh, a total of seven days after intercontinental travel. I'm sure this will go well. Um, coming off an absolute pants shitting in Ireland against Northwestern. Playing a Dakota. You had nothing to see here, I'm sure. I'm sure. And look, 
when Nebraska wins this game by 40, which they should, don't let it, don't let it fool you into thinking that they've actually changed anything. Because then they've got Georgia Southern after that. These next two non-conference games are not going to be meaningful tests for them. Or if they are, maybe Scott Frost doesn't even get to Oklahoma. I'll tell you this, man. Bubba Schweigert's Fighting Hawks started out the season ranked number eight, and uh, they were bounced from the rankings by the middle of October, and they finished five and six, uh, did not make the playoffs. This is not at all a, a, a Dakota that you should fear. Not a dangerous Dakota, yeah. Um, other games on Saturday, for some reason, Wisconsin has set up a night game to host an FCS opponent, so Illinois State comes into Camp Randall with a 7 p.m. kick. Thrilling. I don't know why you felt that was necessary. Um, oh, boy. Illinois State is bad now. Yeah. There was a period of time where Brock's back had them humming with former Hoosier Trey Roberson, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They... they didn't they play for a national title? Maybe. Isn't that also where Aaron Bailey ended up? Uh, he was in Northern Iowa. Mm. No. Um, Gabe Meganson was the guy that ended up at Illinois State from Illinois. Sure. And I, I was very glad that we dodged the 2020 matchup with them. Uh, of course, you know, if I could take it back, I'd rather there not have been COVID, but... Happy accident. If you have to have the global once in a century pandemic, you hope your team doesn't have to play yeah, Illinois State, unfortunately, was bad last year. I think Brock's back... And his mustache have just about had it. Yeah. Um, so that's not exactly going to be an interesting game. Um, then, by far the highest profile game in the conference in week one, arguably the biggest in the country, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. Uh, all the broadcast is going to talk about, not only in this game, but every Big Ten game all day, is whether this is a college football playoff elimination game. Can losers still stay in the picture if they otherwise go undefeated? The answer is yes. It's not an interesting conversation. I wish we could just not have it and just watch the games that are happening and enjoy them for what they are, but we can't do that. So, Well, yeah, I mean, we saw this last year with Georgia versus Clemson, which, absolutely, if it had been Trogdor-Clemson like it was before, just burninating the ACC, <laughs> burninating the countryside, burninating all the Syracuse orange in their thatch roof cottages, then yes, absolutely, Georgia-Clemson wouldn't have mattered. But Clemson decided to fuck around and lose several conference games. Only a couple, actually. They weren't nearly as bad. Like, because they lost the first game and Uyunglele wasn't an obvious Heisman winner, it was like, oh man, they fell off the face of the earth. They're going to be terrible now. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> they not. They still end up winning I'm 10 games. They didn't, end up, they didn't end up adapting to the new paradigm of the ACC, which Just is throw old the Big 12. <laughs> throw the ball everywhere. No defense. All, all throwing. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> anyway. Ohio State and Notre Dame is going to be a really good game. The Buckeyes are heavily favored, and the line continues to move out, even though Notre Dame's a top-five team, which tells you how scary Ohio State is this year, by the way. Um, but obviously, lots of interesting angles here. Marcus Freeman, former Ohio State linebacker, first game at head co- as head coach at Notre Dame, who becomes substantially less hateable with him taking over. I hate up. that. Massive upgrade in, the, in terms of... Isn't that terrible? I guess, but it's also like, you know, a lot of their fans are going to be mad about it the whole time. So Yeah, that's also true. That's, that's kind of I can, nice. I, can, I can roll that. Um, it also sucks that, like, LSU, who I've generally liked before I knew <laughs> bad things about Les Miles and Ed Orgeron, um, now becomes public enemy number one for employing Brian Kelly. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's one of two things. Either he'll win a national title <laughs> like the last three coaches there have, 
or they'll run him off inside of three years. And when I say win a national title, he will then be run off within three years after that anyway. Yeah. So he's not going to be there for long. The question is whether a really crappy person gets to enjoy a national title or if a fun as hell fan base just has to wait a little bit longer and the next guy wins one. Um, so anyway, there are other interesting games week one, a lot of these big neutral site games. Um, Georgia-Oregon is an interesting one. Of course, Oregon now employing Dan Lanning, a former coordinator with the dogs. You'd think sooner or later Oregon would learn to stop hiring guys who want to go back to the southeastern corner of the country, but they gave that wheel another spin. We'll see if he makes it more than two or three years before you know, taking the South Carolina job or some shit. Um, Cincinnati, Arkansas, low-key a banger. I mean, the, the Bearcats lost a lot of guys, but they've also kind of moved themselves into that spot Boise State was in a few years ago as that group of five team. I mean, soon to be a power five team when they go to the Big 12. Um, but that team, I mean, just durable across the board, overperforming their recruiting rankings, but also improving the talent base itself. And so that'll be a very interesting game. Arkansas, very much that SEC team everyone wants to talk about as being good outside of the Bama and Georgia context. Yeah, Sam, Sam Pittman doing some work with the running game there. Um, How, he way more likable than Jimbo Fisher, so... 100%. So, <laughs> another game, I don't know if it'll be good, but it certainly is interesting, is Central Michigan at Oklahoma in a rematch of a really, <laughs> really, really, really funny ending when Cooper Rush uh, got got off a touchdown that maybe shouldn't have counted, but was allowed to stand anyway. Well, if you listen to Mike Gundy, it didn't count. And I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State maintains like a doctored set of record books where it doesn't count. <laughs> so, here's the thing. I recently found out that Mike Gundy named his kid Gunner Gundy. And he's on the Oak State roster. Yeah. Like, so he, so basically his first and last name is both Gun. So he's just like Gun Gun. Um, which, which is pretty on brand for Mike Gundy, to be perfectly the, honest. The most Stillwater... If he doesn't get into coaching, I'm sure he'll be an OAN talking head sooner rather than later. Oh, God. Um, Let's talk about something else. Uh, And then, of course, it being Labor Day, you have... This is probably going to be the last year where there's only one game each on Sunday and Monday. Like, they're for sure going to fill those days up with games, too. Yes, but, but will you be able to watch all of them on cable, or will you need several? Different streaming options. Oh, what do you think? (laughs) Come on, dude. No. Yeah, yeah. It it will have... Three Big Ten games a day for six days in a row that you will need seven different services to get all of. Yes, and once you assemble all of them, (laughs) then you can. No, no. So they'll have. So so you'll have six different services to watch to watch your team's games. But then when you collect all of them, you unlock the secret tier that allows you to access Illinois versus Rutgers (laughs) at at eleven a.m. Yeah, that of course is the equivalent of the reality gem, where it's like, what am I watching? Is anything real? the only game on Sunday this year, the one that's probably the hype supercharger of the season, I would think, Florida State LSU. Uh, the winner of this game is instantly going to be lauded and anointed by the national media as back with uh, with one K. These teams are both unranked. Yeah, it's it's probably not going to be true, but just watch. Big brands. The only game on Sunday. Nothing else for anybody to talk about because baseball, you know, isn't in the postseason yet. I guarantee you, whoever wins that game. Some mouth breather, probably along the lines of like a Darren Novell, is going to be like, this program's got the talent and recruiting base. I'm going to say it. Book them. Playoff. Right now. I'm calling it. Somebody's going to make that cake. I guarantee it. But let's also not sleep on the following. 
Army at Coastal Carolina, just because Army makes everything interesting and Coastal Carolina's been good. Uh, Louisville at Syracuse, because it's an ACC conference game, and as we know, the ACC <laughs> is fun now. Pew, 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 Malik Cunningham you, returns. You better believe we've got eyes on that for JMC. And oh, yeah. Considering double-dipping with the quarterbacks. Um, Memphis at Mississippi State. Memphis has harassed those Mississippi schools uh, for years now. Still don't know why they agree to play Memphis. <laughs> Boise State at Oregon State. Uh, you know, a less superpowered Boise State and an Oregon State that is a bit resurgent. Future Mountain West opponents. Sorry, Oregon State. <laughs> oh, boy. Sorry, Oregon State. <laughs> I didn't like feel shitty about that, but that's how it's going to be. And then Monday night becoming the tradition for Clemson to play in the game on Labor Day itself. The problem is this year it's not an interesting game like Georgia. It is a team from Georgia as Jeff Collins, the soon-to-be-fired coach of Georgia Tech, leads his Yellow Jackets out against Clemson after losing Jameer Gibbs to Alabama and multiple other players to better teams because his tenure is failing in this Because that's the problem, man. Not going to be any good. That's the problem, man. We can't afford to have these kind of coaches get these kind of athletes and then fall apart because it's like, you're just going to get Alabama even more five-star running backs. Alabama, sure. But also maybe Mel Tucker. So I'm totally willing to let this happen. I'm like, yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm, no, I'm, I'm fully Frank Reynolds in the Dennis System episode where we're just, we, we, I just move in for the scraps. Like, yeah, yes. I hope that at least three or four SEC teams fire their coach. Auburn, Tennessee, keep firing your coaches. Send a wave of players in the portal every year. I'm just getting, I'm, just, I'm, I'm well, grabbing all Auburn's these Auburn's AD just left. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you happen to catch that one, by yes. the way? Yeah. 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 So yeah, we've already got. They haven't even played a game, and their AD is already gone. Yeah. Well, and so the, the problem there is, who can fire Brian Harson? Now he's going to make it the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> of all the Auburn coaches in recent years, would you ever have thought that Brian Harson would be the one who? Yes. Now I fire you. <laughs> I well, hold the power here. Well, at the moment, and then they'll do a name a name a new AD who has. A, a most likely unsuccessful coach two years into his tenure who the AD didn't hire. <laughs> so, sure, by all means. But And then Brian Harson can go hang out with uh, Nick Rolovich in unemployed land and talk about how they should have just stayed at their respective schools. And kept their damn mouth shut. That's kept their really mouth shut. And just taking the goddamn shot. Anytime, look, any, this is why when coaches go into the coach speak mode, it can be frustrating at times when it's like, I just want you to give me some some real information or something interesting at least. But then it's like, you remember the coaches who do actually talk a little bit, who have their top button undone a little in these press conferences, sooner or later, they tell you directly or indirectly why most coaches don't talk very much. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, since I got vaccinated, I've lost 45 pounds and set numerous records with running. So, you know, maybe you should do that. It'll make you a lot healthier. Your source for Big Ken Cog. It's Off Tackle Empire!